Today on the Craft Room Podcast, let's talk about Copic markers. This is episode 14. Welcome to the Craft Room Podcast. I'm your host, Dawn Lewis, professional crafter, craft teacher, and all-round craft enthusiast. This podcast will help you get great value from your craft supplies and perhaps help you discover new techniques, ideas, and products to take your crafting to the next level. There is so much craft to talk about, so let's dive right in. Hello, welcome to the Craft Room Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today because we're talking about one of my favorite products of all time, and that is Copic markers. Now, pretty much every day I am seeing questions about Copic markers popping up in Facebook card making and stamping groups, and the same questions come up over and over again. Today, I thought I'd share some information about Copic markers and answer a few very commonly asked questions. Now, let's start with a little background on Copic markers, especially for those of you who may not be familiar with them. Copics are an ethanol alcohol-based ink marker and uh, they're manufactured in Japan. And I did a little research and apparently the very first Copic marker was launched in 1987. So they've been around over 30 years, which is pretty amazing. Uh, in 93, they added the sketch marker to the range. And in 1998, the chow marker was added as a budget entry level marker. So chow markers are um, 21 years old. How about that? This year, <laughs> look, Copics are incredibly high quality professional artist marker and every single marker is hand tested three times in Japan before they're shipped out. I think that's pretty amazing that the quality control on them is really, really high. Copic markers also have a guaranteed three year shelf life. So they're not going to run dry if you sort of have them sitting unused for extended periods of time. Before the craft and stamping community discovered Copic markers, they were actually used by architects and technical designers, landscape designers, fashion designers, and eventually the manga art community caught on and they're very popular there. And I don't know who brought them to the attention of the stamping community, but I am ever, ever so grateful to the person that did. This is just one of my favorite ways to color. I think one of the most appealing things about Copic markers is how beautifully they blend. And that is what stampers and illustrators and designers and artists find so amazing about them. They just perfectly create these seamless shadow to highlight blends. For me, it's kind of like painting with markers. Less mess, no water jar, no palette full of wet paint for the cat to walk through. Uh, there's no cleaning brushes at the end. I can get this shadow through mid-tones and highlight by combining a whole bunch of different shades. And they really, truly do bring my stamped images to life. If you're sitting there wondering, Dawn, are you qualified to talk to us really about Copic markers? Yes, I promise that I am. Uh, I have been using Copic markers for 10 years myself. I am a certified Copic instructor and I'm also an authorised Australian Copic stockist. That is how much I love these markers. So all of the information that I'm sharing with you today comes direct from the company that makes the Copic markers as well as a decade of experience. Now, I don't usually have a sponsor here on the podcast, but today I decided to sponsor myself. So if you are looking for Copic markers, reinkers, information and services, head to dawnlewis.com.au backslash Copic and there you'll find a whole bunch of information and I'm happy to help you with all your Copic needs if you're here in Australia. So let's get to these questions. Probably the most common question I find myself answering and on a very regular basis is what's the difference between sketch and chow? 
So today I thought I'd dive into the difference between the four different styles of Copic markers that are currently available. Yes, there are two others that a lot of people don't know about. So we'll start with the lesser known, and that is the wide marker. The wide marker is a single-ended marker. It's got a three-quarter of an inch chisel nib on one end. It's available in 36 colours, and the barrel is kind of a short, flat ish oval shape. The color code is etched on the cap as well as on the body. Uh, the wide marker will evenly color four A4 sheets and then streak for another two. So it's got a lot of ink in that barrel. It is refillable as are they all. There are two styles of replacement nibs available for the wide marker and you can get empty marker barrels although they have been retired recently and once they're sold out worldwide that's it they won't be remade. I have a theory that wide markers are mostly available in blues, greens and browns because architects use them a lot and they could quickly and consistently colour sky and grass and dirt or wood in their designs. And because the wide marker has the most ink in its barrel of all the Copic markers, it's not going to run out quickly while they're colouring these large areas. Just a theory I have. So let's move on now to the classic marker, which is also referred to as the original marker. The Classic is a double-ended marker. It has a chisel nib and a fine bullet nib, and it's available in 214 colours. The barrel of this marker is square, and the colour code is etched on the caps as well as on the body. A Classic marker will evenly colour five A4 sheets and then streak for another one sheet. So it has a lot of ink in its barrel as well. This, again, is a refillable marker, and there are actually nine different styles of replacement nibs available for the Classic. Uh, you can also get empty marker barrels, so you can fill them with your own colours and make your own. And the Classic marker is compatible with the Copic airbrushing system, which is very, very cool indeed. All right, so let's move on now to the very popular Sketch Marker. Everyone's seen the Sketch Marker? It's a double-ended marker. It has a chisel nib at one end and the super brush on the other end. And it's available in all 358 colours. It has an oval barrel and the colour codes are etched on the cap ends as well as on the body. Now, we're talking about colouring ink barrel capacity here. The sketch marker will evenly colour four A4 sheets and then streak for another, say, three quarters of a sheet. It's refillable, of course, and there are four different styles of replacement nib available for the marker. You can get empty barrels so you can put your own colours in and the sketch marker is also compatible with the Copic airbrushing system. Now, lastly, let's talk chow marker. It's also double-ended with the chisel nib and super brush, so it's exactly the same nibs as the sketch. It's only available in 180 colours though. It has a round barrel and the colour code is not etched on the caps, but it is etched on the body. It, like the other ones, but the code on chow markers is really big and very easy to find uh, on the body of the marker. A chow marker will evenly colour three A4 sheets and it is refillable. There are two different styles of replacement nib available and you can't get empty chow barrels. It is not compatible with the Copic air brushing system, but it does have a child safe cap. So the child safety cap, I was actually talking to someone who 
uh, had witnessed something interesting at a craft show. A lady had been at a st- this stall that was selling Copic markers and bought a bunch of chow markers because, you know, they're the cheapest. And so that's what most people start with. And about 15 minutes later, she came back and she wanted to return them for a refund because there were holes in the caps and she was concerned that her markers would dry out. So the holes in the caps of the chow marker, they're actually a child safety mechanism because they're not a gray cap with just a little bit of color it's a fully colored cap and there isn't any code or anything on it there is a risk that kids are just going to get their hands on them think it's something tasty and swallow it now the cap itself is actually double walled so there's an interior section to the cap that is airtight that seals your marker but on the outer section of that the holes in the top actually if a child were to swallow it allows them to continue breathing. How amazing is that? I think it's really well sought out. So if you've ever wondered why there are holes in chow caps, now you know. So now that we've looked at the specs for each kind of marker, let's discuss the most common question. What is the difference between sketch and chow markers? So we'll go through each of the differences and, and compare them side by side. Sketch markers are more expensive than chow markers. Now the reason for this is because sketch markers hold more ink than a chow marker. At the heart of it, the chow really is an entry-level marker. It's for those who want to try it out without committing to sketch markers straight straight away. It means you can sort of buy more markers for less money. But because the chows have less ink, they are going to run out of ink faster and you will need to re-ink them. Uh, Another difference is that sketch markers are available in all 358 colours, whereas the chow markers, they're only available in 180 colours. I started building my collection with chow markers and there are plenty of natural colour blending families available in the chow range. But it did come to a point where I wanted to add in extras, I wanted to try different colours and I started filling in the blanks with sketch markers. Another difference is that the sketch markers are oval and chow markers are round. Now, when I first started using them 10 years ago, there were all these blogs and and salespeople who were obviously reading the blogs and uh, they were saying that a major flaw of the chow marker was its round barrel meant it would roll off your desk so you should get the sketch markers. In my personal experience, I've found that to be very untrue. Chow markers lids both have a little bump on the edge of the lid and these are really really effective at making sure your chow markers don't roll about everywhere in fact I've had sketch markers roll off my desk way more frequently than a chow marker so I think we can put that little copic myth to bed now when it comes to barrel shape I've got to confess I do prefer the feel of an oval sketch barrel in my hand compared to the round but it is by no means a deal breaker I'm still really happy to use my chow markers it's just a teeny tiny nitpicky thing another difference sketch markers can be used with the Copic airbrushing system chow markers cannot now I would say unless you plan on doing a lot of airbrushing in your artwork this is also not a deal breakers I found very few casual crafters even own an airbrushing system I mean I have one it's very fun to use but I really don't use it all that often And lastly, let's talk about the ink inside these markers. It does not matter if it is a wide, a classic, a sketch or a chow marker. The ink inside a B29 in any of these styles of marker is exactly the same and they are all refillable. You could take one B29 re-inker and fill a B29 wide, a B29 classic, a B29 sketch, a B29 chow. 
no problems at all. The other thing is that these ink formulas have been the same since day dot. Seriously, you can refill a marker you bought 20 years ago with a reinker that you bought yesterday and they will be perfectly compatibles. And let's talk about cap colors. Did you know they are dyed with the same ink formula that's inside the marker? True story. Now, sure, the ink doesn't always translate to the material that the lids are made of uh, the same way that the ink translates on paper. But in my experience, most of them are pretty darn accurate. So that is the differences, the, the most common differences between sketch and chow. And there's another question that I wanted to answer today, and that is about the codes on the markers. And since I've been talking about them, I thought this was a good time to answer those. Now, we're used to seeing color names on, on our craft supplies, on paints and ink pads. So a lot of people don't actually pay much attention to the codes on Copic markers. Yes, every marker has a very fun color name, but short of light prawn and eggshell white, I really don't remember any of them. That's because the codes are the most important thing. And so that's how I identify my markers. Every single color has a unique code. It starts with one or two letters and has two, three or four num numbers after that. So let's start by talking about the letters. They indicate the color family that each marker belongs to. R is red, YR is yellow red, Y for yellow, YG is yellow green, G for green, BG is blue green, B for blue, BV for blue violet, V for violet, and RV for red violet, which takes us the full circle around the color wheel. Additionally, though, there are W for warm gray, C for cool gray, N is neutral, and T is toner. And these are all varying shades of gray. And lastly, there is E for earth tones, which are all your browns, and F is fluorescent, which is usually followed by the color code. For example, FRV1 is a fluorescent pink. Next, let's talk about the numbers. In most cases, there are two numbers. The only exception to this is for incredibly pale colors, which can have three or four zeros, but we'll come back around to those later. So the first number is an indicator of color saturation in the marker. In other words, how pure the pigment is inside this marker. The lower the number, the brighter the color. So it's going to be a very pure color. But the higher that number, the more gray is added into the mix. So it is going to be more of a muted shade. So for example, if you are looking at B05, the ink is blue and it's very bright blue. If you are looking at B95, yes, the ink is still blue, but it's going to be a very muted grayish blue. So if you're into bright colors, look for the lower middle numbers. And if you prefer more muted tones, look for the markers with the higher middle numbers. The last number is an indicator of the color brightness in the marker. In other words, how much color is in this marker? The lower the number, the paler the color. The higher the number, the more pigment is in there. So it's going to be very strong. So if you're looking at B00, the ink is blue and it is a very pale blue. If you are looking at B06, the ink is blue, but it's a much darker blue. And when a marker has three or four zeros, the additional zeros are counted as the last number and you know they are going to be super, super pale. The best way to see how the colors work is to look at the Copic color wheel. I'm going to link to that in the show note. You can actually see the color wheel and download a PDF version of it over on the blog at dawnlewis.com.au backslash podcast 14. And that way you can hold on 
to that for your own reference. You'll also find a full transcript of today's episode over there. So if you prefer to read than listen, you can find that on the blog as well. So when you're looking at this Copic color wheel, most colors follow the same rule. The colors around the outside of the wheel have low first numbers and they're bright. But the further towards the center you get, that first number gets higher and higher and the colors become more and more muted as more gray gets added into the mix. But when you follow the colors around their line from left to right inside their color wedge, as the last numbers go from small to large, the colors go from pale to dark. In the center of this color wheel are earth tones and grays. Now, earth tones are the one grouping that do not follow any logic when it comes to these codes because browns are mixed from all sorts of different colors and sometimes the combos just don't make logical sense like the colors on the outside of the color wheel. They do make sense along their lines, so you still go from a pale of that shade through a dark of that shade and there are some really incredible combinations that you can put together by mixing up your earth tones. So when you're choosing colors to work together, especially when you're just starting out with Copic markers, a natural color blending family is going to have the same letter, the same first number, and the secret to a good blend is in those last numbers of the code. Look for numbers that are close together, one, two or three digits apart. The closer those last numbers are, the easier it is to create a seamless blend. The further apart those numbers are, you need more ink and more effort and they may not blend at all. There are methods that you can use to blend markers that are far apart. And sometimes you need those methods because you don't have the marker that you need or it just doesn't exist. Now, if you're just starting out with Copic markers, and you are looking for uh, some instruction on how to blend with them, I do have a Copic Blending for Beginners playlist over on my YouTube channel. I will link to that in the show notes for you as well. So you can go check that out and it shows you how to blend with markers, whether you have one, two or three in a natural color blending family. There's a lot of really cool things and I promise the videos are quite short. Now, of course, there's no rule that says you have to stick to natural color blending families. There are so many ways you can combine your markers. And I often mix up different color groups to get the shades I want. But when starting out and choosing your first markers, I have to say a natural color blending family is a really simple way to start. And lastly, I have to say, if you are drawn to color names, by all means, use them, memorize them. But the codes do contain so much information that it is important to understand them and use them to build your Copic collection if you want to achieve great shading. Now, the last question I see frequently is regarding the zero colorless blender. There's generally just a lot of confusion about it because it doesn't act in the way that we're used to a blender pen acting. It's because, contrary to its name, it is not for blending. It's simply a pigment-free version of the same ink that's in every single Copic marker. It, it does some really amazing things. And I do recommend that every Copic colorist have one of these zero colorless blenders in their collection. Essentially what it does is it pushes the other inks around on the cardstock and it can also desaturate something that you've already colored. So for example, if I make a mistake and I color outside the lines, which I do a lot, I can use my zero colorless blender to push that ink back across the stamped line. Sometimes it takes more than one go, especially for browns and reds and really dark colors, but it does a great job at pushing the ink 
away from where I didn't want to put it in the first place. And I've also found with the Zero, if you colour over a Copic coloured section, it's look, it's not going to erase the ink. A lot of people think that it will. It does not. But it will desaturate it somewhat. You can create really clever special effects using the Zero Colourless Blender ink, either in the marker or from a reinker. And I actually include this as a big part of my Copic classes. It's just amazing stuff. Now, I'm looking at the time and I'm thinking to myself, there are all these other questions that I wanted to address, but I think that's enough information overload for today. So the next episode is going to be part two of this Copic Q&A. But if you have a burning Copic question in the meantime, please feel free to email me, drop me a PM via Facebook or a DM via Instagram. I am very happy to help you with your Copic conundrums. A reminder, of today's sponsor, which is me. If you are looking for Copic markers in Australia, you can head to dawnlewis.com.au backslash Copic and I will be delighted to help you find what you're looking for. I'm happy to order items in and I am also launching a brand new Copic re-inking service. I'm so excited about it. So I do hope you will join me for the next episode as we wrap up this two-part series with more answers to frequently asked Copic questions. Today was fun. Thanks so much for joining me in the craft room today. You can find links and other information about today's episode in the show notes. And if you enjoyed this episode, please consider sharing it with a friend or leaving a review on iTunes or Stitcher. I'd really appreciate that. I do hope you have a very crafty day and I will see you next time. Bye for now.